0: Welcome to the Altruistic Traveller Podcast. Interviews with influential change makers from around the world. That recycling is no longer sufficient to, to deal with these. That type of volunteering actually is proving to be more harmful. Trying to eliminate poverty? I it didn't seem me that way. They seemed as a human being, someone who needs help. Be inspired, educated and moved by global initiatives making this world a better place. For more stories and resources, please visit the altruistictraveler.com. Hi everyone, welcome back to the altruistic traveler podcast. Stories from influential change makers from around the world. I am so excited to introduce our first guest for season four. We're at season four. Thank you so much for all your support. I am speaking today with Valerie Joanne Super who is the co-founder of Embo River, a luxurious lodge in the Maasai Mara and the first fully sustainable lodge in the region, leading the way to a concept of carbon negative safaris. Valerie has a background in international criminal law and previously worked with the International Criminal Court, EU and the UN. Sustainability has been a focus within her professional and private life. Welcome to the show, Valerie. Thank you so much, Bianca.
1: It's a a real honor that you invited me to be on here and it's cool to be connecting to all your listeners. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: No problem. It was great to learn about Ember River and the work that you're doing in Kenya. Let's start by talking about the concept of Ember River. I know before we jumped on this call, I I had to ask you how to pronounce the word it, it does um, play a significant role in the whole concept of um, yeah. the business so tell me a bit about that
1: absolutely um so as you mentioned i'm the co-founder of embo embo river embo is a maasai word it means a pride like a pride of lion a community a group of people um, and we thought that that was a very fitting name for this lodge that we created it's located in the Masai Mara. Within Kenya. Um, And just a bit of background to why we started this lodge. My partner and I, we were living in Kenya for quite a while. It's a beautiful country. We love traveling. So we often went on short trips here and there. And one time we went to the Masai Mara to enjoy a holiday there. We went on safari. In the evening, the manager of that lodge joined us for dinner. And we sat by the table, gazing at the stars. And we got into this conversation about sustainability. Because we love going out to nature, we love traveling, um, being outside, learning lots of new things and meeting other people. But at the same time, you were doing that in a polluting safari vehicle. You have a generator humming in the background, you have wastewater from toilets just going untreated into the soil. So you're there to enjoy nature, but we felt like we were doing it in the wrong way. It didn't make sense to us. So my husband, myself, and then his manager at the dinner table really connected over this topic. Um, We continued talking about sustainability. We started talking about also moving away from that traditional view of the big five safari animals, because people who go on safari are often so focused on these traditional big five animals that they want to see, though there's so much more out there that is so interesting to see. So we started this WhatsApp group called Road to Big 20. We thought, let's make a Big 20 list. And that WhatsApp group just led one thing to the next. And a few months later, we opened our own lodge. It's called Emble River. And it's the first fully sustainable lodge in the whole region.
0: Amazing. And uh, so when was this conversation that you had? How many (laughs) uh, years ago?
1: It went super fast. We had the conversation in 2018. A few months later, uh, we found this beautiful plot in the Masai Mara. There was already a lodge there, but the owner had fallen ill and he couldn't really manage it anymore. And so we had the opportunity to just revive this place, bring new life back into this beautiful spot in the center of nature. And then between finishing all the legal paperwork and making sure that we we got the rights to this spot, between that time and then opening, we only had three months meaning that we have three months to fully renovate it, new rooms, uh, doing all the plumbing, putting in electric vehicles, solar panels, biogas for cooking. We had to do everything in three months to really make sure that our vision was there from the start. So we wanted to go all in on sustainability from the start. No shortcuts, no going just a little bit sustainable. We, we really were committed to this view. Um, so we opened in July 2019, And yeah, we've been working there ever since.
0: You could argue that sometimes that could be a little bit easier to have this blank canvas to work with, to just implement sustainability, Mm -hmm. uh, sustainable practices from the get go rather than change that. Did you feel that that contributed to the way that you were able to open the lodge?
1: I guess what made a big difference for us is that everyone in our team is so focused on sustainability. It's the essence of what we do. So everyone in their specific role makes sure that whatever happens within housekeeping, whatever happens within the kitchen, every element in that team is sustainable. So I think that makes a change that for us, it's part of our DNA and it's not an afterthought. However, in the construction setup of things, um, I think it, it's it's easy to do it um, from scratch and go all in on sustainability. But on the other hand, we're also helping hotels that are already there to make that move to sustainability. People are often a bit wary about going uh, towards more sustainable solutions because they think that maybe it won't work or it might be too expensive or too difficult. And we are there to help them to show them that it can be done so we're very transparent we have lots of guests community projects uh, government representatives people from other lodges who come to us and they get a look behind the scenes to see what we're doing and we're always there to then give advice and help them to make a change within their existing setup to go more sustainable so it's definitely uh, possible
0: And so this was a collaborative effort within the community. You mentioned that the initial conversations were with uh, some of the local populations. How have you found? I mean, I'm no anthropologist, but, you know, if we sort of look from an outsider's perspective on the general life of some of the tribes in the Maasai, their livelihoods and their lifestyles are inherently sustainable Mm -hmm. how is Mm -hmm. that sort of uh coming into the vision for this lodge and uh is there that cross community collaborative implementation
1: absolutely that's an interesting question because indeed the way that many people within our community live is quite sustainable just as it is People live very much in touch with nature, and I think that people, especially when you live in bigger cities, you lose that connection to nature a little bit. Luckily, in our community, um, people still have that have that feeling with nature. And we see that with our team members, so our team members, everyone's from the Masaimara. And when thinking about sustainable solutions for how we can do things within our camp, how can we do things differently, a lot of the solutions often come from within our team because they already know how to live sustainably. Sometimes these innovations that you, um, that you apply to go more sustainable, they're not often high-tech. They often are just things that are back to how you would do it traditionally. Look outside the box, see how other people do it and get their feedback. So, for example, for our wastewater, we do not have a septic tank, for example. Instead, we use local plants to clean all the wastewater. So that means both the grey water that comes from showers and sinks, but also the black water that comes from the toilets. All that water is filtered through local plants. So using the local knowledge of our team, the local plants that are available in our area, we have created lagoons that filter the water so that at the end of the process, we have clean water again. And this recycled water is then used again, for example, for flushing toilets, washing the car. And in that sense, we created a closed loop system where not one drop of water is wasted.
0: Wow. And this is all from plants.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, often you don't need high tech uh, solutions. You just go back to basics.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, because you did mention around this closed loop approach towards Mm -hmm. sustainable tourism. Is EMBO currently on its way to being one of the first, if not the first carbon negative safaris, or is it currently carbon negative?
1: Um, So at this moment, I would say we're we're carbon neutral. Uh, We are constantly learning new things. We're constantly implementing new things to be more sustainable. We're getting a fridge a solar powered fridge at the moment that will help us to store the vegetables and herbs from our own garden for a longer time so we have uh, our own organic farm now how can we store those items for longer so that they don't uh, waste they don't go to waste too quickly Um, so now we're getting the solar powered fridge so there's always new things that you can add and new things that you can learn um I don't think that at any time you can say that you're 100% perfect because there's always new stuff to implement. And that's what's exciting about this space as well. There's so many new products that you can try out. There's so many uh, innovators and entrepreneurs within Kenya and outside of Kenya as well that come with amazing solutions. And uh, We're excited to be a platform for them where they can test their technology and uh, to be able to help them grow.
0: Yeah, I like that you mentioned that it is a space for constant learning because, you know, it really is. I mean, this whole idea of carbon negative, carbon neutral, Mm -hmm. these are really new concepts in our society and we can only kind of approach this with just uh, integrity and transparency and saying, hey, Mm -hmm. we are really experimenting here with a – ancient and local knowledge and also mm-hmm. new knowledge and, as you mentioned, innovation and yeah. uh, ideas and old and new. So uh, it's nice to to see that that's um, coming in there with, with your vision for the business. So let's talk about the entire fleet of safari vehicles powered <laughs> by solar energy. I mean, that's yeah. what got some media attention i think you've had a presence on uh bbc and most recently yeah. national geographic so congratulations for that
1: thank you yeah it's a it's a very exciting to get all this attention for for embo river and then also for the electric vehicles that we have um electric vehicle or the vehicles at such earth are obviously a big part of going on a safari because you can go out in nature you can see all the wildlife you can see the landscapes But a big part of being outside, I feel, is also being able to hear the animals around you. You can hear the insects. You can hear the grass moving while you pass through it. And that went a bit lost when you're in a diesel car that has these big black fumes coming out and making lots of noise. For us, that didn't make sense. So the electric vehicles are a big part of of what we love about the sustainability approach. So the vehicles that we have, they're old land cruisers from the 1990s. They were not electric at first. We got them in a shape that was quite bad. They were rusty. They would stall every now and then. And we just brought new life back into them by taking out the old engine and putting an electric engine and batteries in there. And this allows guests now to enjoy a really nice safari that is silent, There's no exhaust fumes. You can get close to your favorite animals without disturbing them. So it's really a game changer.
0: It is. It sounds like the ultimate upcycling.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're extending the life cycle of these vehicles um, that would otherwise uh, might just end up at a scrapyard. So it's a really good thing. And then on top of it, the guides um, are always taught to use all their senses. To spot wildlife so the cars are always you have the guest in the back you have a guide and a tracker in the front and they these people they're being taught to use all their senses while guiding so you can use your eyesight while you're in a car but then if you're in a diesel car you can't use your scent and you can't use your hearing but with the electric vehicles you can you can smell animals in the area you can hear a lion roar in the distance And this just increases your sighting opportunities so much.
0: Yeah, I only recently had a chance to uh, get in an electric car for the first time, Uh maybe a couple of months ago. And I just remember thinking, this is so quiet. I love this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I never thought what that would be like um, in a situation where I was on a safari. I mean, I only have been on a safari once many years ago yeah. and uh, this concept was not introduced so yeah ha- tell me what it feels like I mean I'm not sure how many it's, if yeah. any, safaris you've been on recently in the electric um, safari vehicles
1: well it's difficult to, to describe what it feels like it's a little bit like you're just gliding through the plains of the Masai Mara and you feel more submerged into nature. So you're not really imposing yourself onto, onto nature, you, you're more part of it. I think that would be the best description of what it would be like.
0: Wow. And so you mentioned that they are solar energy, but does that mean they're electric, or they work in a different way? Like, how do you, how do you fuel them?
1: Yeah, so we have uh, we have an electric engine in the cars. We have battery packs in there. And then when the cars come back to the camp, we can just charge them like you would with another electric vehicle that you might have for personal use. You just plug them in and you charge them. And because we're not connected to the grid, we're very, in a very remote area. We're not connected to a power grid. So we have arranged our own power and that's all via solar. So we have solar panels at the camp that provide power for our guests and our kitchen and our staff area 24 7 and they also provide energy to charge the electric vehicles
0: okay wow and this concept this innovative concept is that having any influence on the local communities in general are they uh, incorporating this sort of solar energy into their lifestyles or it's not that widespread yet
1: so the community where we are based, the whole town is already on solar power. Um, on top of that, in Kenya, just the normal electricity grid, most of it, I think it's around 80 or more than 80%, is already um, from green renewable energy. So there's already lots of access to uh, renewable energy within our community. But the impact, if we go with our, uh, with our electric cars on... Um, for a shopping spree in a town for example if we need to buy something in the beginning people would would were turning heads because it's something out of the ordinary to see a silent car um but yeah right now everyone's quite used to it
0: (laughs) oh that's really great i like to use the term uh leapfrogging a lot in my conversations i learned it once it's about sort of when when uh, communities and societies can sort of leapfrog over the way that uh, quote-unquote more developed societies had had done things, mm-hmm. and then just move straight to the better stuff, the sustainable yeah. stuff, the renewables. So I think that it's uh, really beautiful to see that that is happening here in the Maasai. Yeah uh so yeah tell me a little bit about you know a day in the life for you so do you so you're coming to us from kenya right now
1: yeah i'm in kenya right now um so we have a team of 30 people at embo river we have around we have eight guest rooms so maybe uh, one day we'll have around um, 18 to 20 guests we have lots of honeymooners families with children young couples so it's a real mix of guests that we have. And so we have a team of 30 people who's always there to um, help them. Because when you stay with us, you get the full package. Like all your meals are included, all your game drives, all your other activities. We do tree planting with the guests. We do cultural experiences. So your whole stay um, is catered for. You can just sit back, relax, and enjoy uh, what nature and life brings you no need to worry about anything. In Swahili we would say hakuna matata, no worries. Um, so that's what we want to offer our guests, but that, that means that behind the scenes we're always rushing around making sure that um, our guests have anything that they wish for. So yeah, our a day pretty much looks like um, for me, it's mostly marketing. So I have a great team, great colleagues. Um, we're right now focusing on an ultra marathon that we're participating in it's for a good cause there will be money raised for uh, rangers who are helping to conserve our ecosystem and our team members will be participating they'll be running so yeah we're doing a bit of marketing around that right now Um, so that's for example a bit of the focus that I will be having today.
0: Yeah I'm always interested to hear about conservation efforts I think Kenya has one of the top conservation efforts in the whole of sub-Saharan Africa, uh, mm-hmm. how have the populations been lately? I mean, are you getting to see quite a large range of animals out there on safari?
1: Yeah, The Mastaimara is known for its abundance in wildlife. So there's always lots to see. Um, also because of Emble River's central location, you see lots of wildlife as soon as you jump into the car and start your safari. So there's lots of wildlife around us and sometimes even within the camp. A few weeks ago, we had one of our team members doing some changes at a room, a little bit of construction. And he looks behind him and he sees that one of the trees behind him had these claw marks in the tree bark. He looks up into the tree and he sees a carcass of a dead animal, a water book, hanging there in the tree, half eaten. So he calls the colleagues to come and look at what's happening. So what we did is at night, we had put a, a trail cam there that in the night would capture anything that moves. So the day after, we were able to get the trail cam and see what was happening during the night. And it turned out that a leopard had caught this animal, dragged the kill up in the tree, and in the evenings it was coming back there to feed off it. So, yeah, we have lots of wildlife in the area, including inside the camp.
0: That is, yeah, oh, that's <laughs> exciting. That is exciting. It's very, yeah. Oh, I just, it's been so long since I've been to Kenya. I just, I'm imagining it in my mind, such a different world. What um, I remember from my experience years ago that there are certain, so there's a great migration mm-hmm. uh, and with that, what would you say, as a, if someone was interested in coming to Kenya, in coming to the camp, yeah. what would be the best time of the year? Tell me a bit more about that.
1: That's a difficult question because any time of year is beautiful in the Maasai Mara and different seasons bring different types of um, landscape. The grass might be higher or shorter and sometimes there's lots of al- elephants just around the camp and then the other time there's lots of giraffes but at any time of year, you'll be able to see so much wildlife and all types of animals. So whenever suits your schedule is a perfect time to come. And then you mentioned the Great Migration. This is a yearly thing uh, in the Mara. So you have the Great Migration, which is a big herd of wildebeest, zebra, antelope that are constantly on the move. They move year around. Most of their time they spend in the Serengeti, which is in Tanzania. But once a year they go into the Masai Mara. And that timing is usually between July and October every year. So at that time, millions of wildebeest, zebra and antelope will be seen crossing the grasslands, the rivers, the plains of the Masai Mara, which is quite a cool attraction. It's a beautiful force of nature to see. However, due to climate change, the seasons aren't what they used to be. It's difficult to predict when it will be dry? When will it be raining? When will the herds of the Great Migration cross into the Mara because they are there to look for a fresh grass? It's difficult to time these, these things and the change in weather patterns definitely has a role in that.
0: I see, yeah. the Climate change really affects so many different areas of this world in such a different way on a macro and a micro level, right? I mean, yeah. as you mentioned, if if the seasons are changing, then will the, for example, the way the grass grows will change and the way that the animals migrate will change. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's great to have that holistic perspective of how, you know, our actions can be affecting even the smallest uh, parts of this world.
1: Absolutely. And I think um, you often hear about the circle of life and it's, it's something that's mentioned also when you're on safari, because you see, um, you might see a life kill happening in front of you or you know, a lion's eating a baby gazelle and it's all part of life and you see how everyone is connected and how people are part of nature and we should not see us, ourselves as separate from nature. We're part of that one circle of life and um, it does create awareness and I hope that that's something that we can offer to our visitors as well. Some people come to us because they already love sustainability some people come to us not yet knowing much about it, but we hope to give some type of impact and have people make um, learn a little bit and make more conscious decisions when traveling the next time or at home, doing groceries, those types of things.
0: And do you feel that shines through when you're doing the immersive activities with the community? So you mentioned you have the tree mm-hmm. planting yeah. and a few other activities. So. What have been your guests' feedback on that?
1: Oh, they really love it, especially the tree planting. It's nice and it's really fun to just get your hands dirty um, and to also think about the impact that your travel is making. Um, Of course, planting trees doesn't solve um, the issue of deforestation that's also happening because it's really important to protect existing areas existing forest as well but yeah it's a it's a good experience for our guests to plant trees Um, additionally we give our guests a glimpse behind the scenes we take them on an echo tour where they can see how a hotel runs and how we're able to do it sustainably so they can see how for example in our kitchen if there's any food scraps left over from cooking we put it in a biodigester that then creates biogas on which we then cook the next meal so it's a closed-loop system, and guests really enjoy seeing this. Sometimes guests, they even ask, like, I want to have this set up at home. How can, how can you help us with that? We also have a little gift shop in our camp where we have beeswax, uh, cloth. We have metal straws. We have uh, toothpaste that are just the tooth taps that don't have that uh, normal packaging. So we have lots of these little goodies that people are now learning about and getting easy access to. So, the guest feedback has been really positive,
0: yeah, there's a lot of innovative ideas there, and ways that you oh i guess i suppose things that people can take home with them, not necessarily in the way of a a gift or something mm-hmm. tangible but rather ideas and inspiration um so that that's fantastic, and yeah, so absolutely. what a what, so you, this is the first concept. Do you plan on expanding? What's the future look like for Embo?
1: The future is for us to really share this idea of sustainability and to share what we've learned with others. We believe that it's great to be the first ones and we love leading the way and we love testing new, uh, new ideas and technology, but on the other hand, for the Maasai Mara or different ecosystems around the world, for those to be conserved or to be restored, it's necessary that more people step it up. Uh, Within the tourism system or outside, it's just necessary that more people move towards more sustainability. So we're very transparent. So on the one hand, the future for us is helping others to make that shift. And then on the other hand, We love for our guests to be able to travel to the Mara and then continue their travels to other destinations within Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, to other hotels that are also sustainable. So for us, the dream would be to have an Embo at a different location. Now we're at a river, so it's called Embo River, but maybe next time it will be Embo City, Embo Mountain. And so that they can travel from one spot to the next in a fully sustainable way, and then preferably we would love to have electric uh, planes as well. But that's a, just a big dream; it's not immediately in the pipeline. But yeah, that would be that would be uh, an ideal situation.
0: Hey, I like to just say you know, dream big. I mean, yeah. look at everything <laughs> that we have thought into a reality like we're just at this time now where you know our limitations are just almost non-existent like we can Mm -hmm. turn big dreams into reality we really can and and you know we're seeing that more and more each day um So thank you for inspiring us and and for you and your team for creating this. How can our listeners find out more about EMBO and uh, get in touch or learn more about what you do?
1: Well, we'd love to hear from your listeners. Uh, We'd love to host them or we welcome any feedback or any cool ideas that they might have that we can test out as well. Um, You can find us online. Our website is embo.com, that's E-M-B-O-O dot camp c-a-m-p and we're also on facebook and on instagram uh, on embo camps so facebook and instagram embo camps so you can find us there you can just send us a dm or reach out through the website and it will be myself and my colleagues answering all your questions
0: oh amazing well thank you so much for your time today valerie and for sharing the work that you do for not only the people but the planet as well and uh, for all our listeners i'll be putting this information up in the podcast please uh subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite platforms like spotify itunes etc and we'll look forward to seeing you again thank you so much balry
1: thank you bianca